Hey, welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I am doing a special afternoon show because I have a very special guest on, Laura DiBenedetto. I see I did not butcher her name either, but I'm going to have Laura on here in just a second. So hang tight. Be right back. All right, so I have Laura Di Benedetto joining me all the way from the beautiful island of Maui. Yes, hello. Wow. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. That's so funny. All the time. <laughs> I love that. I've got to get there. I've got to get there. My wife yeah, and I've been talking about it far too long. So, um, hey, we have some people on here that are excited to see you. So, um, and we already have somebody that shared it out. Thank you in advance to anyone who shares this out. You all rock. So Laura, I created this show about two and a half years ago. Um, and it was to help people get unstuck. And I do believe that people get stuck in life and they stay stuck and it's not necessary. So I think through hearing other people's stories, we can heal and, and grow and get unstuck. So let's start with where you were born and raised. Well, I was born in Worcester, Massachusetts, raised in Charlton, Massachusetts. Then I moved to Worcester, Massachusetts, and all within a half an hour of the epicenter. <laughs> you don't have that. I know accent. I pronounce my R's. I know I don't have the accent. <laughs> you don't? Wow. Weird, huh? How did you get rid of that? Or did you I, never have it? I never acquired the accent. I've always pronounced the R's, but you know, it's so funny. You watch those, like those movies with Ben Affleck and all those other ones. And they're like, pack your car and have it. Yeah. We don't <laughs> talk like that. You get a few people in Southie that sound like that. And you sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, dude, you're a caricature of yourself. <laughs> that is so funny. So, um, <laughs> so people don't really talk like that. no, 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 they don't. Wow. There's uh there's a couple of casting companies in Massachusetts and I, I remember like doing some auditions for movies and they're like, Yeah, you gotta lay on the accent like wicked heavy. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that because I enunciate pronounce my R's, not my A's. <laughs> and um the only thing that's really super like Massachusetts about me is I say wicked on a lot of stuff. I remember going to Montreal and they're like, where are you from? And we were just talking. I was like, oh, I'm from this wicked cool little city. They're like, you're from Worcester. Damn it. Is, is, that, a, <laughs> is, that, a, is that a thing saying wicked? Wicked, yeah. Wicked cool. Uh, you know, nice. A lot of stuff like that. <laughs> I, I remember when I lived in Seattle, everybody said, right on. Right. Yeah, that's there's right none of that here. There's, there's, I don't know. Hawaii's got its own awesome um, dialect and vernacular and wow. yeah, Aloha is just naturally comes out of my mouth these days. And you know, how's it? It's hello, you know, and how are you? I don't that's, know. That's cool. awesome. 
Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you grew up in Massachusetts, um, basically. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, and 38 it, years in Massachusetts, I could say, yes, I grew up there. Wow. 38 years. So did you like go to college? Mm-hmm. Also in Massachusetts, in Worcester. <laughs> I told you I didn't get too far. <laughs> MIT or Harvard? <laughs> Harvard? No, those are those are towards Boston. Um, uh, no, I actually went to Becker College in Worcester. Okay. Um, great school. So, um, what, what was your what'd you major in? Business administration. Okay, and so you got out of college, got a great job, and then retired shortly after. No, no, actually I'm a college dropout um, oh. because I'm the person that doesn't enjoy rules. I like making them and breaking them. So I dropped out of college. This is not for me. Paid off my college education, what I did get really quickly. Um, started a business um, right away doing marketing and all that other stuff. See, the thing is, I had 14 jobs in one year, Ken. I was fired from half and I quit the other half because I was a scrappy little know-it-all. and was not about to win employee of the year. So I was like, boy, better read that writing on the wall. I think I'm not destined to be an employee, but I think I'm meant to be the employer. Time to figure this out. So I built a company with really not a lot of skill, but tons of ability to sell and lots of curiosity and stubbornness, which I believe I'm genetically gifted with. And, um, Screwed up a lot, made a lot of mistakes, but I got the company going and, um, you know, ran it for 19 years before I retired. Was this like right out of college dropout, college? So 2021, how old were you? 19? I was 19 and I started the company in 1999. Wow. Gee, many Christmas. So you, okay. So you were 19 years old. You start a company and yeah. run it for 19 years and retire. Yes. And, and the company was what? Doing what? Marketing? Uh, yeah, I still own the company today. Um, oh. Someone else runs it for me. Uh, at the present moment, she is recovering from cancer surgery and radiation. So I'm briefly unretired just to help her out. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's a marketing company in Westboro. It was run in Worcester for a long time. And um it's a, it's a company that does a lot of digital things, uh, helping people to figure out what internet marketing is all about, how to actually use it correctly. I started the company thinking that marketing and advertising were very straightforward. And I've always been naive to think that people are honest with one another. Turns out they're not at all. And I want, right. I wanted to create (laughs) an agency where people could actually trust the people they buy from because what I was experiencing and seeing is lots of business owners were being lied to, Oh, buy this thing. It's going to really help you. And Oh yeah, make sure you invest in that. That's going to really help you. Except it didn't. And the only thing that it served to do was put a commission in the salesperson's pocket, but not actually help the business owner. So I structured my company differently from day one offering painful truth, um, lots of reporting, lots of, um, actual results and, um, education. So my clients can make good empowered decisions on their own. Wow. That's unique. Right. <laughs> How sad is that? But, but I, yeah. you know, I think I though that marketing is a rarity. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, I've been in marketing. My wife was global VP of marketing for two different 
giant $500 million a year companies. And, you know, we've been in marketing a long time. And, and I think that there's a lot of companies with good intentions. (laughs) Well, they do pave the road to hell, you know, (laughs) I love it. So I know that you've done a TEDx talk. I have been invited to speak at TEDx, but then coronavirus showed up and we had to reschedule the whole thing. So don't worry, not being bitter Betty about it. I'm just really excited that I have more time to memorize, more time to inspire millions through a compelling talk that people are going to really remember. That's awesome. So what, um, how's, how's coronavirus affected you and the, and Hawaii actually, how's, is it? Tourism's dead here. Um, and unfortunately the economy is very heavily dependent on tourism. So it's one of those things where you have a lot of families, a lot of individuals, um, really hurting, um, the unemployment and that $600 extra that people are getting will be drying up soon. So right now you're not really seeing loads of civil unrest, but if my spidey senses are accurate, I think we will be seeing some, probably larger cultural problems in the next two to three months, just because money's going to run out. Tourism has not come back. And when it does come back, there'll be a lot of restrictions. And um, the bulk of the uh, travel to the islands, um, the bulk majority is actually from the mainland United States. And the mainland United States, a lot of those people have lost their incomes, which means their discretionary income and the ability to travel and spend abundantly has also gone away. So even if all the hotels were to open up tomorrow, it wouldn't matter because people can't afford to come to them the way that they used to. Because for a lot of people, Hawaii is like a once in a lifetime dream destination. That's not what you spend um, on when you're coming out of a crisis, maybe you'll take a weekend somewhere just because you need something. You're not going to go for the big enchilada. You know, I have a a friend I saw yesterday on Facebook, a doctor friend of mine that they had their, I think she's from Hawaii originally, but they had their whole trip planned to go to Hawaii with bring the whole family leaving like any day, I believe. And something about the COVID testing and some 72 hour, they've extended this till September, October or something. And so now they had to cancel. They, they literally, and it's not lack of money or any of that. It's the, it's the, the stupid rules that they now have in place. So, well, the thing is you can't, it's, it's, it's against the law for governors to close down a state and close down state borders. You can't actually do that. Right. Um, But what, the government of Hawaii has decided to do is make it really, really sucky for you to come. So, oh, you can come, but you're not going to have any fun, which is basically they're going to make it so miserable for you to be here um, that you won't want to come. So they're not outright banning you, but this is the way of doing it without doing it. Because here's the thing, you come to Hawaii, um, if you're from Massachusetts like I am, it would take me a full 22 hours of travel to get here door to door between the airline, the the airport schlepping and blah, blah, blah. And to do that, it's hard on the body. And I would say you need two weeks to come here. If you're coming from California and points west, maybe you can do like a week, week and a half, but you're still looking at a minimum of six hours air travel to get here. Yeah. So taking all that into account, you're you're really looking at um, 
you know, something where people don't want to come and spend two weeks in their room so they can enjoy maybe a breath of fresh air on their way back to the airport. That's crazy. So are the beaches closed? No. Oh, they're not. Residents are able to enjoy the beaches. Um, still social distancing is um, requested. Um, yeah. I officially hate shopping now because I can't stand wearing a mask, but I will wear, I do wear a mask when I'm out because that's what's requested and required and polite. Um, and I just don't like how it feels on my face. So it's like, wow, look at all the money I'm saving. Yeah. You're a better person than me. I was just at the post office mailing somebody a copy of my book earlier and, and I was, I was the only one. Oh no, there was another older lady behind me, but I, we were the only two in this line with, without a mask on. Yeah. They won't let you do that. Here. I got you're some looks go into the building. If you don't have one. Really? You're not allowed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a a new um, a new way to live for sure, if you call it living. But um, yeah, I was just thinking that it, yeah. it doesn't feel amazing. No, it doesn't. So I um, I I I know you also wrote a book. I did, and it's called the Six Habits. The Six Habits, and I have. Now I don't, I, I think you may have two websites, but I have, I can only scroll one. So I decided to put that one up there, assuming because it's, yeah, here it is. If you go to that, you can click on the six habits and it takes you to the six habits website, which yeah. is where, where your book well, I like is. You put that one there because a lot of people can't spell Di Benedetto. So I usually say when I'm doing like a podcast interview, when there's no visuals, it's like, if you're feeling brave and you want to try to go to lauradibenedetto.com and you find it good for you. If not, you can go to the six Right. Right. So, so running, I mean, we kind of fast forwarded through your life because you know, the, um, I mean, I, the, 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 the bio that I received, um, you know, says Laura's story begins with bullying, abuse, bankruptcy, and burnout. And like, that's the pain that I think, um, people need to hear because p other people go through it too. Like a lot of other people. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, Ken, I'm okay. If you want to twist the knife, we can talk about all these things because look, you know, the, the reality is. I retired at 37 and I moved to a beautiful tropical island. That is yeah. not the whole story. And as a matter of fact, that's not even the relevant part of the story. The relevant part of the story is how I, an average human being with a bunch of crap that happened to me, just like everyone else, still managed to overcome and still managed to become a happy person, a loving person, and a person that had the stones to actually go forward and make the life of my dreams actually come true. That's the real story. It is, uh, you, you know, I, I talk about it all the time. I, I'm, I mean, I'm a recovered alcoholic with 18 years sober and there was a time when I wasn't <laughs> and, and, you know, life got really, really, really bad for a long time for me and the bankruptcies and the, everything I went through all of that. And, and I think that, you know, people need to hear that it's okay. We get, Everybody gets, not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people get there. They get yeah. to that place of, oh God, I'm done, you know, at least for the moment. And, and then I think 
people just get stuck and they stay there, you know, and there's, yeah. it's not necessary. So what are oh, some I'm of the things that you did to kind of pull yourself out of those bad things that happen or the bad, I mean, what, what are some of the things that you did to, to make sure that your life got better? Sure. Um, honestly, there's been a lot of them. So is it okay if I talk about a few things? Please talk about as much as you want. Sweet. Awesome. Um, I love to talk about this stuff because, um, anyone that reads my book will know that I really want everyone to know that's even listening here, reads my book or whatever. You literally do not need to be special to live an extraordinary life, to live a special life. You just don't. And I think it's a big misconception because, you know, we'll take a look at our heroes, either business heroes or, you know, basketball players that we love. Or, and they were like, wow, they have it all together. No, they don't. <laughs> what they do is they just have their habits mastered in ways that we don't really consciously think about. So I'll get to that. But the thing that I want to start with is, you know, you mentioned um, the abuse. Let's, let's start there. So in my first serious relationship, I was with someone that was physically, emotionally, psychologically, and sexually abusive. Um, mm. To say that it sucked would be an understatement, okay? Wow. It, he terrorized me. Um, and I remember leaving that relationship feeling broken, bitter, angry, empty. I remember staring at the wall just like catatonic for days, just like so depressed. And I was at the bottom of the bottom. I was so just like, why would this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? And like, where did I go wrong? Because a lot of times as victims of abuse and terrible circumstances, we internalize what happened to us. We hold ourselves responsible. We blame ourselves for what happens. And I was no exception, but mm -hmm. The way that I navigated that particular situation was through forgiveness. I chose to look at my abuser with love, which is hard to do. Not like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back together with him. Mm -mm. It was more like, wow, you must have really been through some horrible things in your life if this is what you instinctively know how to do to others within a supposedly intimate relationship. Mm. I am so sorry for your pain that you've passed it on to me and I forgive you. And I never didn't, I didn't get the chance to say these words to him for like over 10 years um, after all this happened. But the thing is forgiveness is incredibly selfish and me, people don't know that. I remember when my, um, mom was talking to me when I was younger and she'd be like, oh, forgive and forget. And younger me always interpreted the forgive and forget meant I was letting them off the hook or they were getting away with it. Right. When the fact is the forgive is I release myself from the suffering of the injury I occurred in that period of time. And I no longer need to suffer anymore. And the forget means I am moving on from it. I'm no longer like remembering it day to day. I'm not living in it. I'm not like held down by it. Now, do I remember what happened? Of course I do. Do I let it smarten me up and make sure that I don't find myself in that circumstance again? Absolutely. But I choose forgiveness as a selfish action and I choose to live in the present. And those, those 
things got me out of my funk. Um, and they really made a huge difference. Before I move on to any other of the lovely examples of crap I've been through, do you have any questions about that? Well, I, I have observations. I, I don't know, you know, as far as the, I know from experience too that forgiveness is the key. How, like, to say that though, because I can remember people saying you have to forgive you know, the abuser. And, and I was like, yeah, okay. Like, how did you, where did you find that forgiveness? How did you, like, it, it's not just something you just say and it happens. Correct. Right? No, it doesn't. But it begins sometimes with just saying it and telling the truth in advance. I forgive this person, even though, you know, you want to choke that son of a bitch because yeah. they desperately deserve it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just, you have to practice it over and over. And the more you say something, the more it will become true. And the more it will be something that your brain actually is like, yeah, I'm down with that. See, yeah. th through the process of saying, I forgive this person, I forgive this person. That's when you can start to go through the exercises of, well, why do I forgive this person? Can I offer any empathy? And I found that through creating an environment of empathy within my head of looking at the crap that he had potentially gone through that made him who he became. Yeah. Um, I was able to look at something differently. My mom is famous for saying to me, turn the shirt inside out, which I always appreciated. And you never know what someone else is going through. You don't, I'm not saying he was right to do what he did. I'm not even saying it was justified, right. but it doesn't mean there weren't reasons for it. Right. Perhaps he was abused himself, you know, right. and, you know, hurt people, hurt people. You've heard that before. And yeah. being able to look at something through a place of detachment, empathy, and choosing to tell the truth in advance. I forgive this person, even though I didn't quite mean it and just continually repeat and repeat and repeat this process. It really did make a transformative impact on me. Wow. So you, 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 and how long after the relationship did you decide to forgive? Um, well, it took about, you know, a week of staring at the wall, you know, okay. basically being a catatonic zombie before it occurred to me, wow, this misery thing, this is optional. I just know better. I just knew better somewhere intuitively. This is not life the way it's yeah. supposed to be. And, um, I remember my mom trying to talk to me cause I had like went back home to my parents' house and, I mean, it was bad. I mean, he tried to break a bone when like things finally, you know, came to a head. Um, Good Lord. It, yeah, it was bad. But like, you know, my mom tried to talk to me and, but I just, I couldn't hear anything, you know, but I started to try to not feel like crap about a week after. Um, sorry, I've got something in my eye. And um, I'll be honest with you. It took a while. You yeah. know, I would say it took me a good couple of months to really practice a lot of the forgiveness in a way that really stuck. Yeah. Um, but I kept at it. That that's the thing with anything. You know, I wrote a book about the six habits, not the six epiphanies and <laughs> habits are things we do regularly and automatically. And that's the thing is I trained myself to genuinely feel the forgiveness and the release. I mean, it wasn't long after that. I didn't even think about it anymore. I remember seeing him like a year after it was like, Ugh. You know, but it wasn't like a hatred. It wasn't a resentment. It was just like, oh, I don't want to see that guy, you know, yeah. 
Like yeah. I had let it go and like, I wasn't affected. I wasn't carrying the pain anymore. I wasn't like, you know, suffering. I wasn't depressed. I was already headlong into starting my business and I was living on my own and I was totally back on my own two feet. And I was feeling all of my own power fully returned to me. That's you know? awesome. That's all. Thanks. You changed the tapes that you were playing in your head. Bingo. You did. You changed it. That's awesome. Thank That's you. powerful. And hopefully somebody gets something out of that for sure. I think there's a lot of people that need to forgive not just that, but themselves for, for that's a right? harder one. Yeah. Forgiving someone else is almost easier because there's a level of detachment because yeah. it's someone else and you can, you know, speculatively empathize with something you can let it go. And also that person is not right in front of you, but when you have to forgive yourself, you are right in front of you and you need to face yourself. And that yeah. is habit number two. That is acceptance. That is all about forgiving yourself choosing unconditional love for yourself despite the crap you've done yeah because guess what we've all done dumb stuff all yeah. of us big time stuff we didn't mean to do to hurt someone else sabotaged our own dreams like didn't yeah. do the thing didn't follow that made a huge mistake embarrassed ourselves blah 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 we've all done it yeah and we are no less worthy of unconditional love to and from ourselves amen wow I, I don't even know where to go from here. So like, what, like, what's the next thing that like, that, cause you, you know, you said you've been through it's sad. It, the, the message I received was, you know, the, uh, the bankruptcy burnout, like you went through all of that stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about the burnout. That one was interesting. The bankruptcy, honestly, it's, it's a small footnote. It's like, yeah. I got screwed over by an unscrupulous real estate agent blah, 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 self-esteem dipped and then went right back up. Like it is what it is. If you ever have to yeah. go through bankruptcy, I can just tell you firsthand, you'll survive. It's not going to kill you. Your credit right. score will suffer, but just take the money class. You'll be fine. So right. let's talk about the burnout. The burnout, my friend, that was real. I was like, I had an elite first class ticket on the struggle bus. So really, Oh my God. So I started a company at 19 and I retired at 37. One doesn't do this without a copious amount of incredible hard work, right? Yeah. But it could have been done more efficiently than I did it. Mm. I chose the path of doing things the hard way because I'm a stubborn so-and-so. I did say that I'm genetically predisposed to being extremely stubborn. I right. had to do things the hard way. I had to do things the uphill both ways way. Yeah. I had, you know, barefoot in the snow. I had to be that person. So yeah. when people would try to give me well-meaning advice, you think I'd take it? No, I'd be like, you're trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I love me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I don't, but like sometimes I'm just like, girl, would you stop? <laughs> listen, listen yeah. to other people, right? Sometimes, yeah. I've yeah. learned to take what other people offer with a heavy helping of salt, not just a grain of it, but yeah. at least I listen a little bit now. So yeah. anyway, I worked really hard. And in 2012, I was like 31 and I was starting to feel a little bit of the burnout. And I don't care how much you love something, you can burn out from it. You just can. And I had been hustling in sales mode, selling millions of dollars worth of stuff and executing and building a company and doing all this stuff already for uh, like 11 or 12 years. Mm. Um, 
and I was tired. I mean, I was really, really tired. And it's not that I didn't love what I was doing. I really did and still do. But, you know, I just needed a break from it. So um, I was like, hmm, what's my exit strategy going to be? Do I close the company? Do I sell the company? Do I try to take on a partner and sell part of the company and equity? What is the best thing for me financially and stress-wise? So I started really thinking about things from the best economic and best stress perspective. So I chose the option that would leave me with the most recurring revenue annually mm. on an ongoing basis and something that would diminish my stress. Um, not the most, but the second to most. The letting it go entirely would have been letting it go and like the least stress because be like, bye, have fun, set it on fire, do what you want, I got my money. But I stood to make a hell of a lot more money, like infinitely more by keeping it in perpetuity, but just at a lesser capacity. So what I did is I started looking for my successor um, to come on and earn and buy 49% uh, of the company. So uh, after a few false starts, which was also very stressful, I managed to find the partner that is absolutely perfect for me. Um, I found a woman that uh, has business skills and decision-making styles that's almost identical to my own, who wasn't burnt out, who, mm. um, who, well, she didn't let people take advantage of her the way that I did. I've always been a very nice person, a very generous person. And sometimes people like to take advantage of kind people. And that definitely happened with me. So, mm. um, found her. And, um, in 2016, she came on board and, the whole objective throughout that entire time was your job is to fire me. Get me the hell out of here. I'm tired. I'm crispy. And listen, this is a show all about transparency and vulnerability. So let me explain yeah. what those last two years were like. I was afraid. Oh my God, what if she's the wrong one? I'm getting sick. I was bleeding internally and I was in the bathroom seven times a day in extraordinary pain. Stress can do this. Stress kills folks. Don't, wow. don't do that. Yeah, it does. Um, I was burnt out. I was being the crappiest leader imaginable. I wasn't leading with the kind of love, class, or grace that I want to. And my own decision-making ability was just really negative. My marriage was suffering, and I was the grumpiest person uh, that you can imagine, right? I was not anywhere close to my best expression of self. So to say that I was burnt out is like the understatement of the year. Um, I didn't love me. At all. And I didn't love the company anymore because I blamed the company for everything that was wrong in my life, not realizing that I was actually responsible for everything that was wrong in my life. Because when I should have allowed, I pushed. When I should have invited, I demanded. When I should have taken the time off and just given my body a break because my body yeah. was aching. I pushed and did the 12 to 14 hour days. And when my husband said, I need quality time, I'm like, too bad, I need to work. And I was just a machine and yay, I retired, but here's the result. When I retired, I was sick, I was bitchy, my marriage was on the rocks and I had just gotten married and wow. like I was falling apart. And when I say to you, I always imagined that early retirement would be like, wow, I get to ride off in the sunset on my white horse and I did it. No, boys and girls, I skidded to the finish line on my face. Wow. Like, like I arrived at like at my retirement party 
they got me a day at the spa and I basically was like, oh my God. <laughs> like I, I felt like I, I didn't feel like I had accomplished anything. I felt right. like I had failed. I felt like I disappointed myself and I felt like I was a quitter and a loser because I didn't do things 100% on my own terms. And I always put my well being last. So, retirement, it was an escape, it wasn't a reward. So, the recovery from that process and everything that I put myself through, it wasn't easy because I was already like, oh boy, I'm going to jump into something new, right? I'm just yeah. a very like ambitious go, go, go person. And I'm going to start another business and I'm going to open a really awesome, fancy European bakery in the Boston area. But then I started doing fundraising for that and it made me feel the same way. And I felt more burnout and more depression. And I was like, I can't do this. And I just got so depressed. I got so depressed. I gave up. I mean, when I tell you I gave up, when I told you that I stared at the wall when I was at my parents' house when I was younger, yeah, I was like catatonic staring at the wall. I did it again. And I found myself in this state two years ago, just two years ago in the, in wow. late summer of 2018, I was in my bedroom, basically not showering for like days on end, just staring at the wall. And I was older, wiser, definitely more burnt out. And I got mad as hell. I'm like, you know what? No, I have been to the workshops. I have read the books. I have done the classes and I have done so many great things in my life. And here I am feeling like a pile of crap right now. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I got angry and I felt like I'd been cheated out of something. And I wanted to know what the hell went wrong, what I could do better and how I could actually get that happy ending that I really wanted. So I could finally become the woman I really wanted to be. Wow. So, um, I got started with a lot of coffee and some index cards and I started researching the hell out of what is happiness really? What is success? Is it what all the magazines would like us to believe that it's all, you know, a perfect size, you know, all the headlines and you need to have all the toys and the big house and the this and that? No. Success is whatever we decide it is. Happiness is whatever we decide it is. But then I needed to know, because I'm a stubborn person, how can I, the most stubborn human of all, actually achieve this state of happiness and success finally, permanently, and just be done with it. Cause I'm tired of chasing this elusive thing that I don't even understand. So that's where all, um, all my research, um, started. And I started doing like all this, um, incredible work to transform my own life. It worked like crazy. And I mean, this is all the six what? habits stuff, which is where the book came from. And I'm no longer a grumpy bitch. I now have wonderful <laughs> marriage. I'm enjoying retirement. I'm even enjoying being back in the company to help out while my successor is recovering from cancer. I'm having fun. I sleep good. I'm, I'm nice. That's cool. Cause it wasn't nice before. And I dug up the stones to move more than 10 minutes from Worcester, Massachusetts. Big deal. I mean, yeah, big time. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can get any further without leaving the U.S. completely. Maybe Alaska, but yeah. So, so you, um, wow, that, that was, that was intense. What, what do you think like now, because I'm assuming you're not working 20 hour days. Um, no. what, 
what makes your your soul sing what makes your your heart like just radiate with joy now i i'm sure um, it, it has to be more than the ability to sleep in to whatever time you want no but that part does help <laughs> it, it's, it's yeah that's awesome i agree the, the true secret of everything, it's so simple. It's having a remarkable relationship with myself, finally. Mm. Um, you got to understand that, like, for years, I achieved and out-achieved everybody else because I hated myself. Yeah. And I, I never felt like I was enough. Once I, once I healed that part of me that had been broken because of childhood bullying, because of abuse, because of all this stuff, when I learned unconditionally love myself, acceptance, when I learned to finally be kind to myself in everything I said to myself, when I learned to look at life through the lens of extraordinary gratitude and, and be present with everything and just get rid of the toxic crap around me and add lots of good things and, and approach my life with much greater emphasis on priority and intention, I was liberated from everything that had held me down for years. And like, that's the thing, when you actually fix and address the foundation of your life, which is your relationship with you, yeah. everything else drops into place. You don't need to wake up, um, you know, naturally. You can wake up an alarm clock and still be happy. You you don't need to move to Maui. You could live in Ohio and still be incredibly happy. Like you can you can do all these things from wherever and whoever you are, as long as you have a really solid relationship with yourself, which is actually the true secret of happiness and success. Amen. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. Um, <clears throat> so what, I mean, you just recently retired mm -hmm. and I'm pretty good at math. So I, I can guess about how old you are. Um, what's, I mean, what's, what's next? Anything? Do you have like something that you're like, man, I really would like to just, you know, cure world hunger or is there anything that is on your radar? Yeah. So I retired from company number one. Turns out retirement for me does not mean sitting still. Cause I find that boring. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I can, I can read that all over you. There's no, you're like, it's like trying to herd cats or something. <laughs> yeah, I've tried actually herding cats. It's awful. So um, I, recently I was like, so that's what this phrase is all about. It sucks. <laughs> um, but it's a great uh, question. I mean, when I figured out what it really means, it all came from a very selfish place of just ending my own pain. Um, and once I did that, I started helping others, people that I cared about to start with. And then I started helping clients to do it. And I was like, oh, damn it. Here comes another business. Okay. So I started my second company and that's where the TED Talk came about. And, you know, for this, like, I would love to really change humanity. I know it's a big goal. I don't care. I am not afraid of big goals. You know, I want to touch the lives of 1 billion people. And I want these 1 billion people to finally learn to love themselves properly the way that um, we were designed to from the moment we were born, but society bred out of us. I want yeah. people, I, I desperately want to give people the invitation and the clear pathway 
for how to return to true self, um, unencumbered, so we can actually be part of the solution. We can fix broken families. We can fix like things that people argue about in society. We can fix things that don't need to be wrong in the world. We can take care of our bodies better and we won't be as sick as a culture. And like a lot of things can be fixed culturally if we take care of our own relationship with self first. And that's my big goal. Beyond that, one of the biggest challenges I've always had in my life is being truly present. I also have ADHD, so I've got major shiny object syndrome. Um, and it, <laughs> Like, I just, I want to do all the things, but the most important thing for me, in addition to affecting these 1 billion lives, which I deeply care about, is to affect my own life in the way that I always dreamed of and be true to the things that I now know are true, which is my relationship with me comes first. My own experience in my earthly vessel matters most. My marriage matters I live on a beautiful island of my dreams. I want to explore the heck out of it. I want to travel the world more. I mean, I was already traveling a ton. COVID makes it a little harder, um, a lot harder. But, um, yeah. you know, I have a lot of things that I want to do with my life. But more than anything, I just want to live it well. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like you are. I am. And I want to continue that. I finally learned how to live. And, you know, I remember being younger. Oh, what is the point of life? Living. It's just that simple. That's it. It's, it's pretty meta. It's pretty simple. It's just the point <laughs> of life, living, period. And then, you know, as a person that was a workaholic type A entrepreneur, I right. sucked at fun. Really sucked at it. Like, didn't know how to do fun. I'd be like, okay, so let's have some spontaneous time at three o'clock. Want to do that? <laughs> I mean, hey, let's have a casual girlfriend glass of wine at uh, 3.45 at the bar. It's like, what? Like, I just lost my ability along the way to be playful and to be truly human. And I'm returning to that. And it's really awesome. I get to be a child again. I get to really experience life through the most incredible lens now and just relearn all the stuff that I was intuitively given when I was born. Same thing with all of us, by the way. We're all given the same stuff when we're born. And yeah. it's the trick is returning to it, not learning it. It's returning to it. Wow. I totally agree. Is all this in your book? Most of it. Yeah. So <clears throat> what was the, um, what was going on in the exact moment that you decided I'm going to write a book? Uh, the exact moment that I decided I'm going to write a book. Um, so I changed my own life so massively and I had some people in my life that I cared for and loved very, very deeply. I'm, I'm just like the person that I do everything to the extreme. So if I love you, I love you a lot. And I don't like to see people that I care about having a hard time and, you know, oh, I'm depressed and I, I don't like myself and I hate my job and this and that. I'm filled with yeah. self-doubt and I'm just like, well, I made me feel better. Maybe I can make you feel better too. So I know that you don't really know this whole personal development world. So let me just write a few paragraphs for you just so I can explain everything that I'm going to ask you to do with me for 90 days to reset how you think and feel. So 25, 35,000 words in, I was like, 
Hmm, there's a book here. I wonder if I just put the pedal to the metal and keep going, what would happen? So I decided, wow. you know what? I'm going to go for it. I like to explain things and I like to tell stories. And um, I decided to go for it. And turns out it was easier than I thought. Um, I wrote the book inside of a month. Now, the editing process was far more than a month. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, but I'm yeah. so glad that I went through that editing process because it made the book so much better and so much richer in the middle uh, of all of the editing. I moved and I did all kinds of neat stuff, um, did some health stuff to heal my gut. No longer bleeding internally, by the way. Um, hey, there's my website. Cool. And, um, you know, it was, it was awesome when I finally finished it and like Whoa. really got oh, to yeah. like look in the mirror and be like, <clears throat> holy crap, I wrote a book. Yes. I was so pumped. I always wanted to, you know? Um, yeah. And now just knowing how like easy it is for me and the writing style that really resonates, I've easily got like probably four or five books more in the tank. Writing about the habits has been awesome. I've got like at least two business books inside of me, entrepreneurship, sales, marketing, all of that stuff. And especially like what it takes to not be a gloriously burnt out mess like I was, but to achieve success um, and take care of yourself along the way. So um, yeah, that's, that's been a heck of a journey. I got to tell you, like, I wasn't expecting that I'd ever do it. I remember starting books when I was a teenager, I'm going to write about this and I would like start novels and stuff. Yep. I'm never going to write a novel. I am more of a very specific nonfiction writer. That is so awesome. So, so people can go on here and, mm -hmm. and, and get a signed copy of the book. Yes, you can. <clears throat> That's really cool. I will sign so, it for you. <laughs> what's that? See, I'll sign it. I got it right here, here. Let me put you, hold that up. Hold that up. Let, I want everybody to see it. Ta-da. That's awesome. Can I just say how awesome it is? Like awesome with a capital A after two years of writing something to finally get your box of books in the mail, it's like, ah, it's so cool to be able to like hold them and realize that this little thing is going to change the lives of millions of people, change generations of pain and help people to finally break free of their crap and live the way they've always dreamed of. It's, there's no better feeling. I, I couldn't agree more. It's amazing. I, I can't wait to get a copy of it. Will you sign mine? Damn right. Will it come from Hawaii then? It has to. Yeah, I've got a stack of books here specifically for this purpose so I can write a little love letter. Dear Ken, you are amazing. <laughs> Chatting with you is my favorite thing ever. Love and in good habits, your dear friend. Uh, I love that. I'm going to create another banner real fast so I can put that up just in case they want to circumvent the um, the webs or the first website, they can go to this website. There, Jeez. yeah, took me a second, <laughs> but I got it. Yeah, um, uh, actually, you know what? I didn't even tell you this. For anyone that um, reads my book, I I'm so so dedicated to people knowing the truth of how change really happens knowing about it doesn't doesn't do anything you i can teach you i can literally give you a master class right now and it would not change your life what yeah. does change your life is doing something with the knowledge and applying it to your life 
figuring out where you are now and then actually mapping out your habit mastery journey. So in the book, you'll see like lots of invitations for you to go online to the website specific page where you can get loads of habit building exercises free that go with the book. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Do the work. That's the magic right there. Like change your relationship with you by doing the work and your life will be something you have like never seen before that you've always dreamed of. I think people, people are, they may not really want to do the work in a lot of cases, right? Well, yeah, it's uncomfortable. You have to face yourself and you have to feel icky feelings and you have to work through some of your crap, but freedom and joy are on the other side. Hey, you know what? If you'd rather sit in your poopy diaper, go ahead. (laughs) I can't stop you. I'm not going to tell you to wash your ass if you don't want to, but like you are responsible for your life being the way that it is. Your habits now got you to the life you have. And if you want better, you got to be better period full stop. That's it. And for me, I couldn't take being a miserable loser anymore because just because you succeed on paper and just because you have all the fancy toys, you know, and and have the nice resume, it doesn't mean anything. You know, just because I'm married doesn't mean I had a happy marriage, you know, just because I had a big house doesn't mean I've made it just because I had a really bomb car doesn't mean anything. Retired at 37. Who cares? Was I a happy human? Was I loving and kind to my family? Was I excited about the person that showed up in the mirror every single day? No. And I was never successful until I did this work. And all of the stuff on the resume still continues not to matter. It's irrelevant because I'm not going to take that with me. Uh, I Like <clears throat> I've interviewed so many people for the, to, to hire them as, as you have. And... And it's like, some people are really impressed with their resume, but their attitude just is horrible. And it's like, yeah. dude, I don't care where you worked before, to be honest. I, I, I don't care how well you did or how, like, I care about where you are right now. Who are you? Right? Well, that's exactly it. And you know what? The um, the woman that does my publicity and helps me out. So she's full-time. She lives in South Africa. And I remember meeting her through Instagram. And I just remember just being like, damn, this woman is so awesome. And I just loved her as a human. Yeah. And I wanted her opinion because I know she had her own business. And I'm like, man, I would really love your opinion about my job application. I was not expecting to recruit her full transparency. I was kind of hoping, but I just wanted to find someone like her. So I wanted her opinion and she ended up applying. Did she fully qualify? No, not at all. And she, I remember the first month she kept trying to impress me and, you know, make sure that I knew that I made a good decision. I finally had to sit her down one day. I'm like, honey, I need you to listen carefully. I know what's on your resume and I hired you anyway, because what matters more to me is what's in your heart. Are you the correct person for the job according to your qualifications? No. Are you the right person for the role based on who you are and the tenacity and heart and passion and dedication that you'll bring? Absolutely. And that matters more than what's on your resume. Amen. It's so Mm -hmm. true. It's absolutely. And, and I, you know, I think this, um, and you don't seem like in any way you've ever had any sense of entitlement to you. Um, Mm -hmm. I, 
I remember, you know, we have a marketing firm and I, I was interviewing a kid that applied that needed to have an internship on his on his resume to graduate in his senior year. And I said, wow. OK, I said, so are you you talking paid, unpaid? Oh, it has to be paid. And I go, OK, um, how, how much you thinking? And how much should I pay you to train you? <laughs> like, right. So, so he's like, I, I was thinking like 20 and I go thousand. And he goes, no, $20 an hour. And I go, dude, get out of my office. I got so, some sign language for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, one. Listen yeah. to me. I have interviewed so many interns for my marketing company yeah. and they're like, Oh, this is paid, right? Honey, I am not paying to teach you. This is already right. depleting my resources of time, which by the way, you're lucky to get my time right. for this kind of world-class education. I have pushed myself through the knot hole and you want me to just hand it to you and right. pay you for the privilege? <laughs> no. I'm, I, <laughs> mm -mm. You're, you're invited to my next interview round, by the way. So. <laughs> Oh, I mean, listen, I will like, get I, some of the best interns in this country. I love having my internship program, but rule number one, you walk into my office and you even try to enter my internship program with a speck of entitlement, off you go, like a yeah. flea off my shoulder. See you later. And, you come and, with humility. You come yeah. with eagerness to learn, be imperfect and ask questions and bring expert communication in and be willing to look stupid, I will help you rise to the levels of excellence like you've never friggin' seen before, but it begins with humility. You can't Amen. learn anything if you're already acting like your boss know-it-all. <laughs> oh my God, you're my new favorite person. I, I totally agree. I do, I, I, I've been there and it's just like, oh my God. But anyway, so um, if let me ask you this. I, I do ask these two questions, kind of the same question, but it's it's broken up. Um, number one, what in your opinion, what do you think the number one thing? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I think we froze there for a second. What is the number one thing that keeps people stuck in life? Fear. Fear, period. Fear of, um, like, I'll give you a great example. I'm saying do the work, right? When it comes to like the habit work, you know, an internship, forgiveness, do the work. Why don't we do the work? Because we're afraid of messing it up. We're afraid of what we might find. We are afraid of failure. We are afraid of Knowing something we can't unknow, we are afraid of seeing ourselves for who we truly are and having our illusions go poof. And we are <laughs> afraid of looking bad. We are afraid of embarrassing ourselves. And we are honestly, God bless human beings, we are a bunch of wusses. We are so terrified and we're a bunch of quivering bundles of nerves. I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I've done it too. So I say this with no judgment. Like I have been the quivering mass of nerves and it's not cute. It has held me back from everything. But I remember, I'm going to tell you something. The thing that holds us back is fear, right? Guess who travels alone all the time without my husband? to international destinations. I don't speak the language, but I go anyway. And I yeah. remember, and I did not learn this because I'm a badass. I learned this because I had no choice. I went to Milan to visit a friend. The friend blew me off. 
I was one angry lady. I'm like, are you kidding me? I do not speak Italian and you are dropping my ass in this great city that I can't even read the damn map. Oh my God. I was mad, but that's one of the best gifts I've ever been given because I realized I'm sitting there in my room just waiting for her to not blow me off. I traveled across the freaking ocean to go see this woman and I was there for like nine days. Day two, she blows me off because I didn't feel like paying for her way to do something. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Was crossing an ocean not good enough for you, honey? Okay. Oh, talk about bitter Betty. I was mad. So I was just finally being mad has served me well. I got mad. I'm sitting in my room. I'm like, well, screw you. I went to Milan. I'm going to enjoy this beautiful city. I'm going to figure out this map and I'm going to Google everything and figure out how to ride the Metro. And I'm going to walk yeah. around everywhere, buy myself some sneakers and explore this amazing city on foot. I did. And I had the most amazing experience of my life. And Milan is now one of my favorite cities on the planet. Subsequently, I've been to Barcelona. I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to Mexico. I've been to parts of the, the United States all alone, specifically because I got such a thrill and such a high from realizing, why was I living in fear this whole time? I always could travel alone because I'm savvy. I'm not stupid. I walk quick. Good luck. Good luck raping me. You're going to have to catch me first. <laughs> and like, <laughs> but like, I've had so much fun and being able to like explore and live my life. <clears throat> once I conquered the fear, kind of no, by no choice of my own, I was like, wow, I wonder what else I could do, you know? So then wow. I wrote a book. I was scared to write a book. I didn't <clears throat> feel ready to apply for the TED talk. I was like, you know what? screw it. I have value. I'm afraid. I'm going to apply anyway. See what happens. I applied and they picked me. I'm like, oh, got to write a speech now. <laughs> See, that, that's, what, that's what this show is about right there. Everything you just said is what this is about because fear is the number one answer to that question, by the way. But yeah. fear is like, I haven't watched the news in 12 years. We, we were going into lockdown for, for COVID. And and I, the only reason I knew it was coming is what I was seeing on Facebook. I don't watch the news because life's tough enough. I don't need all that negative crap in my life to to make it even tougher. Like that, that's insane. So and you're gonna uh, really enjoy the goodness chapter of my book. I can't wait I, because I I mean I wrote a book too and it's about some of the same things, but like. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I can't wait to read because I think that we have some some similarities. But so so the other question I want to ask you is this, you know, back, I don't know, I, in 08, 09, things got really, really good for us eventually. But there was a period where, holy crap, only my employees got paid. I didn't. And and one day one of my employees walks in my office. I'm on a call and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, there's a guy looking in the windows of your SUV out in the parking lot. <coughs> Excuse me. I go, well, tell him to get the hell out of here. And he goes, I would, but he has it blocked with his tow truck. I'm no. Like, no, no so I go, uh, okay, I, I'll, I go out. I couldn't convince. I had my car repoed in front of all my employees. So it was a horrible day. And, and like you know. It. I'm sorry. Oh, it sucked, but that's all right. I mean, I recovered, you know, but we go through yeah. these things and, and if, if somebody were to call you right now, and, and this is the other thing, and, and I care about people. I love to help people and, you know, I don't love helping people for free all the time, but I love to help people. 
And, you know, if somebody called you and said, Laura, my car was repoed last week. My electric's being shut off tomorrow. Everything I've tried is not working. I'm at the end of my rope. I, I don't even know the point of life anymore. What do you say to that person in that moment to help them get over that hump and know that everything's going to work out? It's going to work out. Well, that's not going to be a five minute quest, uh, conversation. That's probably going to be like a good hour long conversation. If I were to get that phone call and I've been in that circ circumstance. Um, and it would be a couple things. One, this will not kill you. It won't. It's right. going to suck, but you'll get through it. And like my grandma always used to say, this too shall pass. Also, you think it matters because it sucks, but it doesn't mean it matters. It only matters because you've decided that it does. Three, if you can finally learn in this moment that you are being called to learn a big life lesson of how to surrender, you will be set free from the misery of this situation. You will be able to perhaps see something you couldn't see before. Perhaps you'll be able to fix the situation or perhaps let it go because that's what you're meant to do. And you're hanging on for dear life out of sheer stubbornness, which I happen to know a lot about. Um, <laughs> stubbornness. No, you. <laughs> the thing about surrender is it's so hard. So I don't know how much you really spend ever thinking about masculine versus feminine energy, but it has nothing to do with whatever gender we are um, right. or you know, identify as, um, like en energy, masculine energy is the energy of like force and creation and pushing and building and bringing into creation and stubbornness. And it's all of those things. And as the opposite feminine energy is the receptivity. It's the allowing, it's the invitation, it's the grace, it's the quiet, right? And if you think about scary mom versus, you know, or scary dad versus nurturing mom, it's kind of the same thing. Just think about the extreme examples, yeah. right? And if you think about these as more like yin and yang yeah. versus you need to have one or the other, you actually need a healthy blend of both. The reason why I hurt myself in the pursuit of external and worldly success was because I lived almost exclusively as a woman in masculine energy for 20 years. My surrender and just giving up, letting it go was all about finally inviting in the feminine energy, making decisions differently, showing up differently and inviting possibility. And sometimes being in the stillness, living in the suck of something and just being like, I don't need to fix this. I can just observe. Um, and now that I've got the skills with both, I'm able to see, wow, I can work on me from a place yeah. of self-love. And wow, you know, that thing that I thought was so important, not that important. And wow, look at that. My car is being towed. Maybe I bit off more than I could chew. Maybe I need to pivot right now. Take a minute. Let the answer come to me, the right one, and make a good rational choice. Respond calmly versus react. Yeah. There's I wanted question. to know, how did you start doing that? Um, crying my freaking eyes out was a really <laughs> great start. Um, 
Yeah, I love it. I give you like the, the magic recipe for that. But like being able to surrender was one of the hardest things I had to learn. And I never knew that's something I needed to do. So now I work with a lot of high powered executive women that don't know how to surrender, that don't know how to embrace feminine energy. And I work with them and I teach them how to do it. And a lot of times it begins with just acknowledging that you need to acknowledging yeah. what feminine energy is learning about it. And then realizing that you can gently, um, incorporate some of these practices and, and really start to embrace and create more balance in your life. Um, little bit at a time and the pathway is going to vary for everyone. For me, I had like no feminine energy. Meanwhile, now that I actually know what it's like, I mean, candidly, my sex life is better because I'm not trying to be the boss of everything. Right. You know? Imagine right. that. My husband likes to be the man. Weird, huh? And, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, th I just think it's important. Honestly, I'm a better leader now that I know how to listen and I can offer great, greater compassion and kindness and more listening and, and just saying, you know, I'm going to sit with this for a couple days and then I'll come back to you versus I need to perform. I need to be on. Someone needs a solution right now. No, they don't. <laughs> I'm a much better leader, partner, friend, daughter, everything, and much better me and human because I now have the yin and the yang. And I would encourage everyone to pursue that. So is, did you write about that in the book as well? Not a lot. Okay. Um, that might be one of the subsequent books. The book is really about the six habits and the entire point of it is how to create a really powerful relationship with yourself. The whole subject of surrender, um, <clears throat> could actually be a book all by itself. And what I would really love to do is I would love to do a copious amount of research into figuring out the predictable ways for a lot of people that live in hyper-masculine energy states like I used to, um, to get into a state of balance. I think what people do is like, you ever like talk to somebody that, <laughs> I just saw Kelly's response. <laughs> I see you girl. <laughs> um, so, you know, someone picture someone that's like, they're like super, super passive, right? Yeah. You ever like talk with someone that's like super passive, they get walked on like crazy and then they immediately go to aggressive when they get try to change, but yeah. they don't even take a toe <laughs> in the pool for assertive. It's like, whoa, 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 you just blew by the good stuff. No, yeah. no, 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 we don't need passive. We don't need aggressive. Nobody likes passive aggressive. You know what we need? Assertive. That's the magic. That's the yin and the yang. Right. Effectively create this. I mean, it just requires a lot more research than I was able to do to like actually bring this book to fruition. And yeah. not only that, this one will probably have a hyper-targeted audience of most likely women that are high achievers, which is mostly who I spend a lot of time coaching one-on-one, -on -one, um, who have way too much masculine energy, and they are actually crushed under the weight of their own success. I, in my, I have a chapter in my book called Surrender, literally. There's a chapter called Surrender. And, and it's because, what's that? I said we have much to discuss. We do. And I think, you know, there's a book called Power Versus Force that I read. I've read it twice now. And it's, it's about kinesiology. And it's, it's, in, it's in incredible. Probably the best book I've ever read and studied. But, Power you know, he talks <clears throat> Power Versus Force, written by a guy that's an MD, MD and a PhD. But, um, and it's, it's, 
you know, he and I, this is, it's a thick book, but to summarize it, it says, you know, anytime we're pushing, anytime we're trying to force anything, like a date with somebody or uh, anything, like we always create resistance in the universe, always. True power comes from surrender, like just everything you just said. That's where true power comes in. I love that. And I I find myself, and I know you do too, you have to. We have the, almost the same personality. But I find myself sometimes, I'm like, son of a, it won't, I can't get this to work. And it's like, I get a, and I'm like, and then I'm like, you know what, just forget it. And then I'll go somewhere, I'll meditate, spend 10, 15 minutes just in silence for just clearing my mind and bam, the answer comes to me. And, and, and I think that's a skill set that a lot of people could, could learn from. So write the book. I'd love to believe me. You know, I would say um, one of the things that I observed in my own life, but also in the, in the, in the lives and careers of um, a lot of the, like entrepreneur executive women that I work with is right. Hyper masculine energy. They're yeah. top of their game, but they get accused of being bitchy, bossy, mm. not leaders. Right. Um, it's because it's just, it's way too much of the masculine energy. And there's actually a lot of fear around embracing the vulnerability because vulnerability equals weakness equals I can't do my job and no one will respect me. Right. Meanwhile, the thing that almost, always completely blows their mind and changes their life more than anything else is this radical transformation that's so tiny, but realizing that the very thing that they and I used to think would lead to my undoing is the very thing that leads to the greatest levels of success and achievement that I could ever have. Like, wow, my employees listen to me more now. I am more respected. I don't get called nasty names. Now I'm seen as a true leader because I'm leading correctly. Now I'm a better wife. I'm a better mother. I'm a better daughter. I'm a, I'm a better all of these different things because I finally am living that yin yang. And it's amazing what happens. Like kind of like Brene Brown talks about like vulnerability. Vulnerability yeah. doesn't mean boohooing about your problems. Sometimes it's just not putting up the facade of I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's great really. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you are fantastic. I, we've, you. Gone over. we've gone over. I don't do that very often. So I, 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 <laughs> I was just, no, I was digging what we were talking about. I love it. I can't wait to get a copy of your book. You're amazing. Thank you for getting up early in Hawaii. <laughs> You didn't have to get up early. No problem. I have had so much fun talking to you, Ken. Thank you so much for accommodating a um, reasonable hour for me. It's it's only 11.15 in the morning here. So um, 5 a.m., 4 a.m. was a little much. So thank you so much. That Yeah. Well, I look, Larry Schneider says, keep going. This is great. Yeah. So so look, I, I, I really appreciate everybody watching, too. If you shared this out so more people can get to know Laura, that would be fantastic. And um, Laura, you can share this when you get a minute. Go to my Facebook page and share it out to yours if you want. But um, No, we're going to be Facebook pals. I we, I, I'm going to... I mean, considering we have like the marketing company, we both wrote books, talking about surrender. How are we not best friends right now? Explain right? I know. 
I'm gonna delete. I'm gonna. I'm gonna delete somebody and add you as a friend. We're gonna be friends. Yay! You be my friend. <laughs> I love it. Don't hang up on me. I am gonna end this with the outro, and and I want to chat with you real fast. So hang Great. tight. Thank you guys. Thank you to everyone who watched and hung out with us. That was fun. Laura, Thanks, you rock. Thank you. You rock. All right.